It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. Whatever it is, whenever it is in your day that you're listening to us, we want to thank you for doing so. Today, we're coming to you after a huge win for the Boston Celtics over the Washington Wizards, a 110 to 102 in a game that really the Celtics had complete control for basically 70% of it. And the beginning was a little crazy. The third quarter was a mess. The second half was a mess. And the the Wizards had a huge comeback. But the Celtics held on. They are now basically, not really, but basically locked in to the two seed with now a two and a half game lead over the Wizards with, what is it now, they've played 71 games, so 11 games left. In the season, tough to make up that stretch for the Wizards. I'm John Corrales, joined today by Sam Jam Packard. We are known as the Rain and Jays. Sam, uh, you we're just talking about it. That second half, you're saying, is just ridiculously weird. I, I don't know. That third quarter lasted for an hour. The third quarter lasted for an hour. It felt like the refs completely lost control of the game. Um, and then for the Celtics to only score 18 points in the fourth quarter and still win by eight was a little bit weird. It, it, it's not kind of how you'd want to finish games. But those two things, just the second half being really weird, kind of clouds the dominance that was the Celtics in the second quarter, limiting the the Wizards to only 19 shots. And it was just like – it felt like um, – Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, but especially Bradley were just all over Bradley Beal for the entire night. And that's going to be confusing because they're both named Bradley. So <laughs> I guess we'll go with last names. Um, but Bradley Beal, I feel like, must be exhausted right now. He only scored 19 points on um, 6 to 15 shooting. I think he only scored two points in the second half, but he just couldn't do anything. And every single time they tried to run him off some interior picks, the Celtics were doing a great job of 
switching those uh, on the interior, whether it was Jay Crowder or Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart with Avery Bradley. And so uh, Beal never caught the ball in any space, and it felt like he was just swarmed. And I don't know if John Wall is hurt. We know he like uh, had that little dust up in the Mavericks game. He kind of rolled his ankle tonight. But he just really wasn't doing much for most of the game. At the halftime, he only had six shots. And it feels like uh, John Wall should be able to get a mid-range jumper over Isaiah Thomas anytime he wants. But tonight, it wasn't. he just wasn't as aggressive. So um, I think the Celtics were playing phenomenal defense. But it's just this... It was kind of weird to see the the Wizards play this poorly because there was the graphic on the screen after they started two and eight. They're like what forty and whatever they're forty and twenty since then. It's just they've been playing unbelievable basketball, but tonight just didn't seem like they they really cared that much. And the Celtics were dominant really on both ends of the floor. Well, I think the Celtics defense made them not care much, and that's when you boil it down, the Celtics played phenomenal defense for most of this game. First quarter, not so much. Uh, and when you look at Bradley Beal's numbers in the first quarter, he had 12 points on four of six shooting. So for him to finish with, uh, what would he finish with? 19 points on six of 15 shooting. So they really limited him the rest of the way. The second half numbers, we pull up the second half statistics for him. Four points on one of five shooting, and that one shot came in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. Now, it came in the middle of a run where the Wizards cut a big lead down to, I believe, six. three. What is it, six? So they uh, they made a run, but the Celtics, for the most part, except for that tail end there where, where they made a run, and it almost looked like in that run, they get a little bit lazy. I've never seen Isaiah Thomas picked clean twice like he was. That They had that weird sequence. He got picked, and then he came back to get the ball. That, that was that, you know, Keystone Cops, you know, Benny Hill music type of scenario where the ball was getting thrown all over the floor. And the next time down, Oubre just picked him clean again, went in for the dunk. So it looked like they, the Celtics got a little bit lazy and they were just trying to run out the clock at that point rather than run an offense. But beyond that, they played amazing defense. Bradley Beal was hounded all night, like you said. Uh, I think the the Celtics went out and really did a great job boxing out. They out-rebounded the Wizards 54-39. to The Celtics had 20 offensive rebounds 20 offensive rebounds that's insane that is an insane number for the Boston Celtics so they worked hard and you contrast that to the Philly game where they just shit themselves at the end and really didn't try hard at all they went out tonight and worked their asses off they got their hands on a lot of shots even though they it looks like they had six block shots, but I, I swear they they bothered a ton more. They did a great job on the boards. They limited the Wizards to not many. They had 16 second chance points, so the Celtics won that battle. They they really did a, just a great job of, of working hard, working together. And this is, I guess, proof of my point overall with the Celtics this season. When they're fully healthy... And fully engaged, they are a damn good team. But 
only when they are fully healthy and only when they are fully engaged are they that good. They cannot lapse. They cannot take a night off because they will get crushed by whomever they're playing. Denver, Phoenix, Sacramento, they will get crushed. If they don't have a full complement of players, if they're missing one guy, a key guy, like one of their starters, then they have the potential to not be very good. So this team, this Celtic squad that we saw tonight, fully healthy, fully engaged, that's a dangerous team. And and they they sent a message after that first quarter. They went out and they sent a message. They locked Washington down. Yeah, I agree. Their their margin for error is incredibly small, which is it's kind of crazy how well they played uh, when Avery Bradley missed all those games with injury because he really kept the Celtics in the game um, in that first quarter. He played uh, all 12 minutes, scored 11 points, had four boards, three assists, and was all over Beal the entire time. And it's just it's wild to think that they missed such an extended period of time and kind of not only stayed above water, but played pretty damn good basketball with him on the bench. He was um, amazing and really carried them in the in the first quarter. Uh, I thought they just did a good job of just kind of turning the game into a, a bruising uh, physical matchup, um, just forcing the ball inside or, or forcing the uh, Wizards to force the ball inside. It felt like the early on they had a lot of – Gortat post-ups and then some Morris post-ups. Gortat got in some foul trouble early, which I think the Celtics did a really good job of uh, taking advantage of. Uh, but you are you were talking about this with Jay uh, on yesterday's podcast, just about how much their depth is that much better when they have their full complement of players. Like, tonight, Terry Rozier only played uh, six minutes. Like, you don't... I mean, 12 minutes. Like, you don't... Ha- they just had so much less time of bad players on the court. There was basically... Horford, Isaiah um, were out there for the majority of the game, and it's just you feel so much more secure as a fan that like they're not going to completely fuck it up. I mean, you're there's still a 2016, 2017 Celtics fan, so you still have it in the back of your brain that they're probably going to blow the lead, but you're a little bit more secure when you know that they're like the starters can come back in and kind of stop any run that's really happening. Yeah, you saw some of those stretches where Terry Rozier who just ugh, made some bad plays. But yeah, the, the calming effect of having Isaiah and Avery or Avery and Marcus Smart together, if you want to have that defensive presence, they, they did a good job tonight of scoring when Isaiah wasn't playing. And at least in the second half, they, they were able to kind of weather the storm in the third quarter, as crazy as that third quarter was, they still managed to get points when Isaiah Thomas sat, and that allowed them to sit Isaiah for a little bit longer. He played 34 minutes in this game, which that's pretty damn good. You you would expect a, at least four or five more minutes in a game of this magnitude, but uh, they they did a good job. Got, different guys stepped up, and and. Like Marcus Smart did not have the best game of his career. He made some some poor choices offensively, but he's a guy that you know in a clutch situation, he saved the team tonight. He saved the team when everything was starting to fall apart there in the fourth quarter. He gets his ass into the post, 
and bullies his way. I forget who who was guarding him. Was it Jason Smith or uh, I don't know who was guarding him, but bullies his way to the rim, gets a layup off a post up, then comes down, rips the ball out of I think it was Smith's hands, and then comes down and hits two free throws. So th- this it's this team when it's all going right. You have guys playing in these situations that Marcus Smart can can be in a situation where he can kind of bail you out, save you, like he has in the past with with that kind of like bully ball style of play. But that was possible because Wall and Oubre were trying to take Isaiah out of the play. And I was sitting there screaming at the TV saying, go ahead, they want to play four on four? Play four on four. There's a lot more space to go play four on four. And that's what they did. Do you want to take Isaiah out of it completely? Fine. Then Now you have one less person to clog the lane, one less person to dig down and try to rip the ball out of his hands or force him to make a pass. If you don't have Isaiah on the floor, the team is completely defended differently. That's that's the whole thing that I'm getting at. The, the Celtics... With everybody out there, it just changes the entire dynamic. Fine. You want to play four on four? You want to, You got a situation where you got Marcus Smart in the post? Spread him out. Let him do work because he's the strongest guy out there, and, and it paid off. So, uh, yeah, I, I, just, I just like where this team is with everybody in their, in their place. And they're, if they're willing to take advantage of that situation, which in that case they were, and not just sit back and watch Isaiah try to do everything. The thing that's great about the kind of the full roster Celtics, and I was just thinking about this tonight, is that they have their, I guess what we'll, what we'll call their core four with Isaiah, Bradley, Crowder, and Horford. But then really depending on the matchup, they have so much versatility in what they can do. Do you want to kind of put Kelly Olynyk on the floor and add shooting? Do you want Marcus Smart because you need more perimeter defense? Or is Jalen Brown going to be that fifth guy if you want more kind of defensive versatility on the perimeter also throw in the big dog who missed a couple bunnies tonight but he's always in his he never plays over 20 minutes a game but he always gives you some kind of nice defensive intensity is always kind of in the mix I just really like that they're able to kind of they have those four guys who who do a lot of great things and then are able to kind of mix and match depending on the matchup so we saw moments tonight where they really the Wizards had no answer for Kelly Olynyk, so they kept on feeding Olynyk in the post. Uh, we saw some Jalen Brown with that lineup down the stretch. We saw, and then we saw Marcus come in the game and make that huge fu steal and be in the post. They just can do so much more when they have that core four, and then just add on that kind of extra piece that I think it just it makes them dangerous moving forward. And uh, I just want to take a moment to shout out Marcus Smart in the post because. He is a bully down there, and in the first half, he absolutely murdered Brandon Jennings, who's a small, small man. Uh, but it's just <laughs> always fun to see guard-on-guard action in the post, and Marcus Smart's going to win the majority of the time. And it, he's it's just another random attribute that you can throw out there. So if you have uh, a team playing three guards and you you know you can get that uh, matchup in the in the post with Smart, it's just another way to attack. So I really like just the versatility of the different things Brad Stevens can throw out there with that core four plus one. Yeah. Marcus smart in the post has been a nice little, uh, revelation. They, they've really started to go to it a lot. 
and and he does really really well with it. He'll back down bigger guys. He's not afraid of it. He's not afraid of the contact. He's a tremendous passer out of the post. He's a tremendous passer. I, I think I think very highly, obviously, of Marcus Smart's passing. But he he sees the floor really well, and you put him in that post, you force teams to react. This is the amazing thing. Now he you almost have to double him in the post now. Uh, opposing teams, you sit there, you see Marcus Smart with a matchup like against the Jennings. You have to come up with something else because you can't just let him back a guy down because he can back Jennings down. He can do that. So once you force a double team on a non-Isaiah guy on the Celtics, you're screwed. Offensively, you're screwed. So that's a great place to to initiate some offense on a, on a situation that I think has largely uh, increasingly been minimized in the NBA. People, post-ups are, have been considered just poor offense, and more people are they're just kind of getting away from that stuff. But with Marcus, it, it's, it can be so good in certain situations because what it forces the, other de- the rest of the defense to do. So that was, that was great, and he came through in a big situation there. Uh, Kelly Olenek... I almost want Kalinic to start games with five fouls now, <laughs> because as soon as he got those, he got three fouls in ten seconds, and he got angry, he got pissed. I've never seen Kelly Olynyk pissed off, and all of a sudden, Kelly Olynyk pissed off is a pretty damn good player. I I feel like I just want to do so. I, I don't know. You got to play like mind games with the guy. Do you, what do you insult his parents? Smack him across have, the face? Yeah, you gotta have like Jay Crowder just slap him in the face and challenge his manhood. Yeah, it's something to piss him off because as soon as he got pissed off, holy shit, he started backing guys down on the post. No fear. He's rebound. My God, he turned into a different guy. It was awesome. Yeah, no, it was it was downright a different person, and it was it was amazing. He didn't even finish with that like. Um, great of a line only nine points but he did have 11 rebounds and four uh offensive rebounds but most of those didn't even come in that that angry stretch but it was it was great to see uh aggressive kelly olenic i don't i don't know what the solution is do you have him run out and just like hard foul the other team's star just to every to start every single one of his shifts like i don't know how we can get aggressive Kelly to uh, every single night, but you're right. Five foul Kelly. That's some entertaining. Stuff that, right that guy I really liked that Brad stayed with him because Brad could sense that he had a little bit of aggression with him. Yeah, seriously. That's like, that was, that was fantastic. Uh, who else? I mean, so many different guys that you, you need to shout out. Like Jay Crowder had, you know, a, a, a typical game and he was a team high plus 15 and, you know, 16 points, nine rebounds, Three steals. He did. He had a great. I think he had a key play against Bradley Beal when Washington was making their first run, and they had cut the big lead down to like ten. And Beal had the ball on the right wing, one on one with Crowder, and he almost started to turn the corner. He couldn't quite do it, and as he was starting to gather to go for the layup. Crowder stripped them. The ball went off of Beal's leg and Celtics ball. And then they rebuilt that league back, back up. That is a clutch play. That is a huge play in that situation because the game changes dramatically. If 
Washington cuts that lead down to single digits. So I, I just want to say that even though Crowder didn't shoot the ball particularly well tonight, he's part of that defensive, that menacing defensive front that when you when it comes down to the playoffs and Beal and Wall have to go up there against Smart and Bradley and Crowder, and that's just a Amazing, and to have to have Crowder switch out onto Beal and and be able to make that kind of defensive play, it's just huge. It's huge. He had a couple great plays uh, against Beal. He forced another steal. Uh, I think later in the game, he's making a he made a, like one of that a hustle play and one of the crazy, weird kind of ping pinball third quarter events. But he was he was responsible for getting a loose ball, getting it to Horford. There was a missed shot. He got the rebound again. He's just kind of that the hustle player. I don't know if he gets enough credit as he deserves uh, on the Celtics team because there is, um, I like there is Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Smart gets kind of the repertoire for making the crazy the small plays. But um, I think Crowder just really is one of the most solid players on the Celtics, and he is the most consistent in his effort every night and be one of the reasons that their defense has been so good since the All-Star break is he has finally kind of been as explosive and has been able to fly around on the defensive end. And he's just playing really great basketball right now. He's not hitting as many threes as he was earlier in the season, but I don't even think it matters at this point. I think his his contributions on the defensive end are enough, and he's going to make the big play um, when he needs to. And we saw him tonight. He hit a couple big threes, uh, three of eight from the um, three-point line. He's just been a very solid player, especially since the All-Star break. And uh, it may not um, show up in the scoreboard or the box score, but I still I just think he's doing a great job. Um, but the only, the other guy I wanted to highlight was Al Horford being aggressive in the post. He yeah. really was looking to get contact and go up and get buckets, and it worked on multiple occasions tonight. And you were talking earlier just about the kind of how, how it's a different look to kind of create offense in the post. I noticed he was able to, once he kind of sh- showed that look of uh, pivoting and going up with the ball in the middle of the lane, he was able to kind of hesitate in the post more and just wait for passers, and that's when he feels like he's at his strongest. So I'm all for more aggressive Al Horford. He scored 16 points tonight, 6 from 11. I would have liked him to still take some more threes. I thought he had some open chances. He was, only, uh, he was 0 for 1, but I, it's just also good to see him from that, just being able to be kind of that bigger body in the post and uh, – Getting contact and finishing through contact, which is uh, which is just an amazing skill to have, and is really advantageous for the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, I Al Horford in the post is always looking to pass, but when he when he can be aggressive initially and and score a few times and force the defense to react to him, that's what it's all about. You're forcing the defense to react, but whenever he has that ball in the post, I keep screaming for cutters. Marcus Smart did it once. And, and and drew a foul. He's always looking to pass in those situations, but when he did, you're right. He had a couple of plays where just bullying his way down, and just I call it a moose fight. If you've ever seen two moose fight, just banging antlers and just trying to move each other, that's what banging their way down in the post is to me. It's just two guys. You just go at it and go at it, and somebody's gonna give ground. And the person who gives up the most ground is going to lose that battle. And Al Horford's not banging down, uh, you know, backing down too many people. But every so often he does it, and it's 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 really nice to see. 
Um, so the Celtics now have a two and a half game lead. The Wizards oh, over the Wizards and and th- three and a half game lead over Toronto. You feel comfortable now with eleven games to play? The Celtics are the two seed. Can we feel better about this now? Assuming that no one gets hurt or no no nothing out of the ordinary happens. I would say so. I think this um, evens up the head-to-head matchup against the Wizards. There's two and a half games. And the Celtics, Jay King, the other Jay, just tweeted this out. They're now 11-1 and in their last 12 home games. And they have four more home games on this uh, this stretch. They only have three more road games left in the season. So I think that's eight home games total, three road games. They're playing really well at home right now. It's already been well documented that they have the easiest schedule. Mm-hmm. I think the Celtics should could even be uh, looking to find some times to rest some players uh, moving forward. I know that's we just talked about how how much more dangerous they are when they have their full complement of players, and it's not like the Celtics to be resting people. But it feels like it's something that you might want to consider moving forward. And we've had this kind of debate about rest uh, going on for the past week. Um, as we saw, Adam Silver uh, was upset or sent a, a memo to the owners tonight talking about how, trying to be be more impactful on the decisions to rest players. But I just think it would make more sense for the Celtics to kind of look for opportunities to maybe get Jay Crowder a night because of his explosiveness is so necessary. Maybe get Al Horford a night. Um, who knows? Maybe even get Isaiah Thomas another night just because it feels like the two seed is is wrapped up. And I don't. I'm saying this, and I'm hesitant to take games for granted because I just sat through that terrible game in uh, in Philadelphia. But it feels like they, it's something the Celtics should at least consider as they close down the season, especially having so many games at home. Yeah, uh, you know they could certainly. I mean, if you look at the schedule that's coming up, the Celtics schedule they play Wednesday. The thing is, here they play Wednesday, they play Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Wednesday, Thursday, so they got one more back-to-back, then a Saturday, a Monday, and a Wednesday. So they've got days off in between. So if you look for opportunities to rest, guys, maybe you, you kind of do a little scoreboard watching. You play you play the guys Wednesday night, and then you might look at Friday. The Wizards on Wednesday night play Atlanta. If they lose to Atlanta... Now Atlanta's been struggling. They don't. They they haven't had Paul Millsap. But if Washington loses to Atlanta, and the Celtics win, and they go up three and a half games with ten games left, then then you really start looking at the rest days, and you say, okay, you give guys Thursday, Friday, Saturday off. You get two days off plus a practice, and you go into that Sunday game against Miami. Then you still got Monday, Tuesday off. You get two days off before you play Milwaukee. It's a good stretch of rest right there. So that Phoenix game could be a game to target for a potential rest game. One of those back-to-backs, maybe somebody doesn't travel to Atlanta, uh, potentially. Uh, and So th- there's there's some something to be said there, especially when you look at the Washington schedule, which we've done, but they, they have... Atlanta and Brooklyn, but then they have a one, two, three, four, five game road trip that includes Cleveland, the Clippers, Utah, Golden State, 
bunch of tough, tough games in there. And then I'm looking at the Cleveland schedule. They have something like four back-to-backs already, like to left to go in the season, which yeah. is a, kind of a crazy stat. So you would expect them to maybe be resting people. I don't know. At this point, are you are you gung ho for the one seed, or are you just trying to get into the playoffs, playing I'm, good basketball, and being healthy? I I at this point I don't care about the one or the two seed. Uh, that that the I mean it'd be nice. It, the one seed is just nice to say that you've you've become the top seed in the East. I mean that's, but I understand that the, it'd be a product of the Cavs resting. So whatever, however it works out. What I'm mainly looking at the Cavs schedule for is the the Cavs play Washington and Boston once more. What are we getting? The the Cavs face Washington on the second night of a back to back. So they have they have Denver next Wednesday on the road. Charlotte on that Friday on the road. I'm thinking if we're looking at potential rest, I'm thinking that they might send guys home after that Denver game, rest against Charlotte, and be at full strength at home against Washington. So that's that could be a situation where Washington faces a full-strength Cavs team, obviously a much higher possibility of losing that game. Fast forward to the Celtics game on April 5th. The Cavs are coming off. They'll have a Sunday game at home against Indiana, a Tuesday game at home against Orlando, and a Friday game at home against Atlanta. In the middle of that is that Wednesday, April 5th, second night of a back-to-back that is on the road. That is a clear game right there where they could rest guys. Don't don't travel. That I mean, that, that makes much more sense. You give them... Wednesday and Thursday off a couple of days off before playing Friday night at home. I think the Celtics might get at home a, a resting Cavaliers team, which would be uh, obviously a huge advantage. So that could be a game. The Celtics win you now all of a sudden that that top seed is if they win that game, they pick up a full game on the Cavs. Who knows what happens between now and then, I said after the, the the Sixers loss that forget about the top seed, but I might have spoken too soon. So that little bit of schedule analysis basically tells me the Celtics have still a shot at beating the Cavaliers and, and moving up to the top seed. The Wizards have a shot at facing a full-strength Cavaliers team, which could drop them even further. And they've got a bunch of road games against some tough competition. I just I like the way the schedule is playing out. I think tonight's win just basically solidified the second seed, barring any sort of ridiculous happenstance that that costs the Celtics a player or or something. Yeah, they're they're definitely in in good shape moving forward. A question I want to ask you about resting is: Do you think the resting is purely just in name only for for rest or? Is it something like we, we're going to see these guys later, so we're not going to show them anything? And I'm thinking uh, particularly about when the Warriors rested their four main guys against the Spurs, I think it was a weekend ago. Or it's just like, do you think there's any kind of gamesmanship there? Just saying like, 
we're not going to let you get any sort of read on us at the final like game of the season just because we know we might see you later and we don't want to give you any sort of advantage? Uh, maybe, but I, I don't think I don't think there's much of that going on. I think it's just truly a rest situation because what are the what's one game out of 82 and however how many however many times they've played each other when they go into when the Spurs if it's Spurs against the Warriors each team's going to know everything the other team does you know and and if you yeah, throw go ahead I was I was just saying like in that Warriors situation they they didn't play on the second night of a back to back but they could have easily skipped the the game before the night of the back to back maybe it's just something to like spite the Spurs because the Spurs are the always one resting stars and then ruining games like that way I don't know I just I felt like it was a no. it was more of a strategic thing and then when you mentioned that the Cavs may rest players against the Celtics it kind of the idea crept back up in my head it was just kind of not letting them like see your latest but you're right I don't I think once it actually comes down to the playoffs you got to trust your your players and your scheme I don't think anyone's gonna steal an entire playoff series just based on kind of yeah scheme tricks alone it's not like it's not like the NFL where uh if Bill Belichick has the play that one play that he doesn't want to show anybody you whip off a play like that and you you shock somebody that that touchdown could be the difference between winning and losing and advancing if the Celtics rested a, against a, a potential opponent and they came up with some shocking thing that maybe won them a game or won them a quarter or something, it's a series. It's a seven-game series, and the video guys will have broken down all of that thing. If they whipped off a play in the fourth quarter that won them a game, that play will be broken down and practiced against, and there's... It it may help. It may help. Maybe that one game does swing a series, but it, it it's much less likely in a in a seven game situation than it is in a, a scenario like uh, a March Madness or the NFL where it's one and done. What I think is happening with the rest: two things. One, they're resting guys. They really are resting guys, and I've talked about it and written about it a lot. I do believe in getting that rest. I think that that's a legitimate thing, as much as. Carl Malone wants to say what he says. I I, I, I hate what Carl Malone said, by the way. I, I wrote that on Red's Army. I don't have to rehash it here. I just hate pulling in the proverbial human shields and invoking first responders into thing that doesn't involve them. But anyway. I've always hated Carl Malone, so there you go. If you guys want to read it, it's on Red's Army. I wrote it on Sunday. The, the rest thing I think is legitimate. Because the the season is long, and what we don't realize is this is game 71. If a team is really going to make a big run to the finals, there's 100 games. So there's still for a team like the Cavaliers or the Spurs or the Warriors, still potentially 30 games left to go. That's almost half of the season, half of a regular season. So this is, it's almost like, they're playing in trimesters and the rest of the leagues and playing playing in semesters. They have a different schedule. They have different breaks that they have to consider. So it's just different for those teams and, and resting those guys at this point of the season, it's almost like a second all-star break. So I'm okay with the concept, the execution. 
I don't think is any accident. Two straight Saturday night ABC primetime games, heavily promoted and completely starless. That, to me, is a message. I think it's calculated. I think those teams are sending messages, public messages to the NBA, saying, we're not going to deal with all of these back-to-backs. With You said it before, the Cavaliers still have four back-to-backs left in this regular season. That's... I, I don't care about the Cavs, but just look at it from... If this was the Celtics, it's bullshit. To have four more back-to-backs left with 11 games to play? That's, that's insanity. So, I think that there was definitely a message being sent uh, in both of those games. And, and I know Cleveland was saying, uh, no, well, you know... Love is rehabbing his knee. That's fine. Kyrie was actually hurt. That's fine. LeBron was the only guy who was resting. But they could have rested against the Lakers. So I I, I think that... It's more of an FU to the, to the league powers than the other teams in the league. I, I think so. I think that that's a message to the NBA to say... We need to figure this out now. This is our this is our time to figure this out because we can't. Whenever you put out next season's schedule, we can't be having this situation anymore. So I think there's a couple of high profile middle fingers. Personally, I that's my guess. A couple of high profile middle fingers that tell the league we got to change the scheduling situation. So that's my take on it. Okay. All right. Before before we wrap up, can I just uh, say some dumb things I noticed in my notes? Yeah. Oh, we got six minutes of Tyler Zeller tonight, and immediately I went to type in the notes. Oh God, why is Tyler Zeller in? And then he had some nice moments. <laughs> and we, uh, anytime Tyler Zeller makes a layup, Tommy immediately goes, uh, just goes on a rant about how soft Zeller's hands are and how he's got the nicest hands in the league. And it's one of my favorite tropes. And anytime I hear it, I want to take a drink. It's just one of the great Celtics drinking game things there are. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, Next. This is almost like the uh, Jam Packard brain dump. Jam Packard brain dump. Yeah. Um, more Tommy stuff. When he talk- starts talking about the little guy. In and, that uh, weird voice of his. It's, the little it's really, guy. It's really creepy. And like, tonight, whoa. in the fourth quarter, he was started saying, I want the little guy to put the ice in on the cake. And I just <laughs> was not comfortable with uh, his tone or tenor, and I uh, <laughs> don't really enjoy it. Uh, third, I, one, third one. Yeah, on. Keep going. Keep going. Rapid fire. No, I'm not. Re- I'm, I'm letting you go. Did Otto Porter really play a basketball game tonight? I did not. He had one nice play, and other than that, I did not hear from him. Another thing, in honor of the game tonight of the funeral part two, uh, I wore a Kuji sweater, which is the most colorful uh, piece of clothing I own. And the I saw that. Won. Coincidence? I think not. Everyone needs to tweet at Chris Forsberg and get him to add that to his uh, official spreadsheet of odd public stats. <laughs> yes. And uh, the jam bag is out. That's all I got. That's it? You're out? Okay. Um, That's good stuff, though. I, I agree on all points. Uh, I you know let's let's talk about this now because I don't want the expiration date to to run out on this story. Uh, that's the end of the game d- discussion. The other thing that came out today, 
I, we, we have to discuss is the, the, the 08 Celtics team holding their reunion a year early. And I guess on the anniversary of the construction of the championship team, but not inviting Ray Allen, uh, your take on, is this petty or is this, are you happy about this? Do you, do you give a shit? What's your take on this? It's uh, extremely petty, but I don't – and I'm, I'm kind of fine with that because, like, have you met Kevin Garnett? Have you met Rajon Rondo? Um, also, if you're going to have a party, like, I'm sure that's a real awkward relationship. And if just for the sake of all party, uh, guests in attendance, I mean, I guess it's the polite thing to do to invite Ray Allen, but that's just not – if he does show up, that's just weird for everyone involved. Uh so it's incredibly petty. I don't really care either way, but I also want to point out that uh, SI just reported that Scott Pollard was also not invited to the 08 reunion party, and he had to find <laughs> out about it on Twitter. So uh, Ray Allen's not the only uh, past lover who's scorned by Rajon Rondo and his party committee. Now, why would he not be invited? What did he do? Uh, he was the lesser of two white guys. <laughs> You can only have one white guy at a reunion party. I guess. I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's hilarious. I don't hold I don't hold that level of animosity against uh, Ray Allen. I just... Oh, no, I, not at all. He was I, I, a very I, instrumental part in them winning a title. He, yeah. And, and I know maybe this is the unpopular take. Uh, I, I guess I'm in a little bit of a role of giving unpopular Boston sports takes. But the... He, he was a free agent and he made a decision and he took less money. He went somewhere else. That's how it goes. And I know that it was the rival, but here's a guy that was essentially traded by Danny Ainge. He he was told he was traded and then it fell through. So if the Celtics can go ahead and trade the guy up until like that last minute, and and have him be constantly mentioned in those rumors, then he was well within his rights to become a free agent, which he did, and uh, go wherever he wanted to go. That's, I almost always side with players in those situations. If the guys, however, want to be petty, and I I hear them all talking, I, I see the, the reactions, if they don't want to, if they don't want them there, then it's their party. I guess I say they should hold the thing in Boston, invite Ray Allen, and then change it to Miami at the last minute and not tell him. <laughs> so then when he shows up and they could all text him from Miami and say like, see, doesn't this feel like shit? Like that's, that's where I would, that's, that's how I would new level pettiness. Yeah. The other thing about Ray Allen, it's not like he jumped ship early. Like he was still with the Celtics through that 2011-2012 season. It's like, does anyone really think that like getting the band back together for 2012-2013 with like kind of with Ray playing reduced minutes because he was so old? Like I just don't. He he ended up making the right business decision for himself in terms of winning more titles, and then he single handedly basically delivered a title for to the heat with one of the most clutch basketball shots of all time. So I, I hold no hard feelings toward Ray Allen. I feel like he 
like you said, he was going to be traded. He didn't owe any loyalty to to the team like that. And it, it like, why stick around just with the with the old guys when you have another chance to to win a title? That's should be the ultimate goal. Yeah. All right. So I guess we both kind of both kind of on the same page there. So all right. Since that's the case, let's wrap it up. Celtics win 110-102 over the Washington Wizards. Now hold a two-and-a-half game lead over those Wizards for the second seed with 11 games left and a really nice schedule coming up and a really bad schedule coming up for the Washington Wizards. I feel good. You feel good. We all feel good about where the Celtics are going to be. And if the Celtics match up against these guys in the second round, it'll be fun. It'll be definitely testy. And the Celtics will have home court advantage, and they do very well against the Wizards at home. So that bodes very well for a potential second-round matchup. That's fun, and uh, we hope that that continues, and we may have a trip to the conference finals. That's a long way away. we got to get through the rest of the season first and get through the first round first. But I am excited about the win, so I am talking out of my ass. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for subscribing. If you haven't done so, search for Locked On Celtics on your favorite podcasting app or whatever thing it is that you use to listen to us. Uh, or go to our Audio Boom page, grab our RSS feed, plug it into, plug it into whatever you use, and we'll be there. Uh, if you have not rated us five stars, please do that. We appreciate that very much. Leave us comments. Leave us, tweet us. Tweet us like uh, our boy Rifesy, who does this all the time, who said of Marcus Smart's night, that's so Marcus, terrible night, then saves the win. He uses the hashtag Rain and Jays. Do that throughout the game. We'll get to your tweets uh, when we can on the show. We'll occasionally ask you for the mailbag, so do that, and we'll get those questions in for the show again Celtics beat the Wizards we're all very happy thanks for listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.